It's Big Week on Tumblr for the week of October 24th, 2022. Midnight has come and gone, and Taylor Swift is officially back. It's been nearly two years since the releases of Folklore and Evermore, and fans are eating up every morsel of new content and loving every second of it. With every new album, we relearn that no one makes fan edits better than Swifties, and it still holds true today. The Taylor Swift tag is filled with incredible gifts from her two brand new videos for Antihero and Bejeweled, and some truly relatable lyric edits, as well as plenty of fan art. Fans are also working hard to decipher some of the coded lyrical moments from the album, posting lots of text posts, tags, and comments. Whenever Taylor so much as breathes on Tumblr, her fans know it. They're trained to spot Taylorking from a mile away, so it should come as no surprise that she's one of the most talked about topics on Tumblr right now. She was one of the most clicked tags for the last seven days straight and peaked at number one on the 21st, where she stayed for a solid two days in a row. She was also number one on this week's Week in Review and Music Spandometrics lists, and we don't expect that to change for next week's list. If you're feeling like an extra special dose of Taylor for your own blog, you can check out our exclusive custom Midnight's theme. This past weekend, we bid a sad farewell to the 13th Doctor and her faithful companions, and said hello, again, to a very familiar face. Well, a lot of familiar faces, to be totally honest. If you haven't seen the BBC's 100th anniversary special, The Power of the Doctor, spoilers ahead. David Tennant as the Doctor is back, and now the 14th Doctor instead of the 10th, and we were treated to a bouquet of cameo appearances from classic Who Doctors 5 through 8 in the form of holograms and hallucinations. Fans were also treated to some new storylines for former companions Tegan and Ace, and 13's Graham. Doctor Who Tumblr was on fire, and those flames haven't yet stopped raging. The top post in the Doctor Who tag is now surprisingly not a gif of David Tennant, but instead a short video clip of Sasha Dewan's master dancing to the classic tune Rasputin, dressed as Rasputin. A classic master move. The rest of the tag is, predictably, a mix of 10 surprise reappearance, 13's emotional regeneration, and gifts from the new teaser for next year's specials. Fans got a new glimpse of Shuti Gatwani's new role and spotted the Dr. Donna duo back in action. Doctor Who is still one of the most talked about things on Tumblr, even days after the special's release. The tag was one of the top five most clicked topics five days in a row this week and peaked at number one on the 23rd, the day after the latest episode aired, and is still holding strong and trending. We've got an entire year until our next dose of Who, but it's bound to be fantastic. you missed it, we dropped our first ever Tumblr original series this week, and it features some of your and our favorite ghost hunting guys. Stumped as to who it could be? Well, hey there, demons. It's ya boys, Ryan Bergara and Shane Madej, who stopped by Tumblr to rank the hottest horror movie characters. Yes, you heard that correctly, and yes, it's probably the most on-brand thing we could possibly make these men do, but here we are. 
The series also marks the return of Copy, the beloved sentient copier and unofficial mascot, in its new puppet form. Copy first appeared as part of our 2015 April Fool's surprise, and he sure has a few quips prepared for Ryan and Shane. Puppet history flashbacks, anyone? The Tumblr Top 5 tag is filled with gift moments from the video, and a lot of revelations about Shane's taste in demons. Tumblr Top 5 was one of the most clicked tags on the 25th, along with Ryan Vergara, who also made waves this week. We're still seeing both of these topics trend pretty heavily on Tumblr in the latter half of the week. Tune in next time to see more of Ryan's puppet trauma coming to the surface, Shane's murder face, and a whole lot of poor little meow meows. Today we have a very special guest on the podcast, Emery Robin, whose debut novel, The Stars Undying, comes out on November 8th from Orbit Books. Hi, Emery. Hi, Allegra. How are you doing? Good. I am so excited for your book. Um, I am lucky enough to have been privy to the process of it (laughs) coming into this world. But for everybody else who doesn't know, can you talk a little bit about The Stars Undying? Give us the elevator pitch. Yes, yeah, so The Stars Undying is Queer Cleopatra in Space, uh, which is, I'm lucky enough to have a pretty quick and uh, quick and dirty elevator pitch. It's about a girl named uh, Gracia, who's meant to be the, the queen of her planet, which is ruled by an AI god uh, that's the computer-uploaded soul of Alexander the Great, but her sister steals uh, the robot, which is a little pearl in her ear, uh, and she has to go and try and win it back. Uh, and this is... An adaptation of the first half of Cleopatra's life uh, in, you know, space opera AU. Uh, so it's her romance with Julius Caesar. And uh, the Julius Caesar equivalent, Matthias Serra, uh, he comes down to her planet and uh, and she intends to seduce him. And he kind of intends to not be seduced. And that's where we begin. That is so exciting. So would you say that you... How much of the history that you were working from comes from the actual history versus like other adaptations. Like I know you're a big Shakespeare fan. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, big Shakespeare fan. Uh, and this is very Shakespeare rooted. Uh, Cleopatra doesn't show up in the play Julius Caesar, which is where a lot of the, the references are taken from. Uh, and a couple of Anthony and Cleopatra references. Of course she is in that one. Uh, but I did uh, Shakespeare doesn't talk at all about how Cleopatra was actually in Rome during Caesar's assassination. No one talks about this because there's so many other interesting things to talk about, but I wanted to sort of explore the fact that she was in Rome and part of that whole story and, uh, and you know, probably knew Mark Antony at that time um, and sort of involve her in all of the Julius Caesar Shakespeare texts. So it definitely is rooted in, uh, in the history, uh, very much in the, the Royal Diary book that I read as a kid, uh, but also definitely in, in Shakespeare and Julius Caesar and in Antony and Cleopatra. That is such a great pitch. Like, I am so excited. I didn't even know that Cleopatra was in, in Rome at that time. She was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, have you watched the TV show Rome? Because I watched like the first season of that. That's kind of where all of my knowledge comes from. Oh, yeah, very, very much. And that's definitely a big influence, too. Uh, the Mark Antony in that show, James Purifoy, is just so spectacular. Uh, and every, everyone is um, pretty good. I have some mixed feelings about the Cleopatra, but that's not so important. Yeah, I have watched it. Definitely is is a big influence. 
Yeah. Well, that's the cool thing about doing an adaptation like this is you get to take the stuff that you maybe had qualms with from previous adaptations and like totally go in and fix it. Um, So can you tell me like what the writing process was like? Because I know that you wrote this sort of like during the pandemic. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I had uh, a couple of Cleopatra thoughts kicking around in my head that I never really thought would turn into anything. And then uh, and then it was a, I rewatched a couple of episodes of Rome at the start of September 2020, and it sort of reminded me of, of everything that I cared about uh, in this story, and it all just jumped out in about two months. Uh, and I need to be, you know, this was September and October 2020, so what was going on was it was leading up to the U.S. presidential election. Uh, everyone was very insomniac, me included. I was not sleeping and I had a lot of time to write and I, I, I had a lot of energy uh, and I worked a lot of that energy and anxiety into uh, what if all of these people were trying to kill one another in space? Right. So would you say that you're, would you say that the book is sort of like a political book or even like a political thriller? Is that like a part of the genre that you're working with? It's definitely a part of the genre. Uh, the, it's got a lot of genres working into it and through it. I would say that Romance is a big part of it, though uh, it's it's hard to have, you know, a traditional HEA romance with someone who's going to get stabbed 23 times. Uh, A big part of it is space opera, but there definitely is a big political element to it. uh, And a big, you know, uh, Julius Caesar was trying to get more and more power at this time. Lots of people wanted to stop him. Uh, And the equivalent of that, which has a religious element to it in my story, is a big, big part of the plot. Right, that sort of conspiracy, the growing conspiracy. Right. Did you imagine that when you had your debut novel come out that it would, it would be within the science fiction and fantasy genre? Has that always been right what you're aiming for? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a big SFF fan. I, I think probably as a kid I would have expected that it would be fantasy. I, but I, I was reading a lot of sci-fi then too, and there are definitely fantasy influences in uh, The Stars Undying. So I think my childhood self will be pretty happy. That's awesome. I mean, speaking of, you know, childhood, I guess, young adulthood, you're part of this generation of science fiction and fantasy writers who spent a lot of time on Tumblr during during a very formative part of your life. So like, you know, is that something you find yourself bonding over or like leaning on during this process of debuting as an author, this cohort? Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, A lot of the people who, I mean, I started talking about and being sort of fanish, I guess, about Julius Caesar on Tumblr, uh, you know, not counting my middle school uh, acting days. I, and that was very, very influential. And, um, and a lot of, the, you know, a lot of the people who I knew on Tumblr are now working in the publishing industry and you bump into them and, uh, and I've gotten to talk to, to other authors who I met on Tumblr, who my friends met on Tumblr. Uh, and it's really nice that that really thriving creative crowd from when I was a teenager uh, is still thriving, still creative, uh, and now doing things out in the professional world that are still, you know, carrying on, I guess, the torch of storytelling that we were all interested in back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you hope or imagine or or want The Stars Undying to have its own Tumblr fandom? Are there like, <laughs> are there fix that you hope people will write or things that people will pick up on and then like, you know, work into their fandom? I absolutely do. I don't know if Tumblr specifically, <laughs> I mean, I, w- I would just have to stay away from all of it and not look at any of it for, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, that usual ethical reasons. Yeah. Uh, but I've got, I, I can tell you, I absolutely know what uh, I would 
requests for Yuletide, if I could request my own <laughs> my own story for Yuletide. Uh, and I can tell you the fan art that I've been secretly hoping people will draw, you know, that's been well, on my mind since day. Uh, a lot of what's been on my mind since day one is what gaps do I want to leave in this story that I think fan writers or fan artists might be interested in filling? You know, what sexual tension do I want to leave unresolved because I think it's good for the story, but also because I think it's going to hook people in a way that I know it would have hooked me as, as a fan writer. That's so great. Well, you heard it here first, folks. You got to draw the fan art for Emery because <laughs> there's some stuff in there that's meant for it. I'm very excited to see to see what comes out of it. Um, but, you know, given that this is an AU story of mm. a story that people will ne- maybe know, what are like your favorite, you know, tropes that come into play when you translate, you know, stories between genres like this? What do you play up? What do you play down? That's such a great question. I mean, obviously, one one wants to make things uh, queerer, um, but in this, you know, in this case, I, I I'm lucky because I because all of these people already definitely had a lot of same sex affairs and a lot of of stories about them, you know, maybe gender bending a little bit, and so I got to lean into that and make my Mark Antony a woman and uh, have the the story sort of the Antony and Cleopatra story be queer. Um, yeah, part of the questions that you're asking are what nods to readers who are familiar do you want to give and what what explanations to people who are not familiar do you want to include, which is something that you wouldn't do at all if you were writing fan fiction because you would right. expect that everyone was familiar with the source material. Uh, and so you, you're playing with sort of the romantic tropes that, uh, that are very, very big on AO3, for example. Uh, but you're also kind of trying to lay down a plot that's separate from that, that people might not be as into on AO3. Uh, uh, and you're getting to sort of, it's very, very influential, the the sort of logic of fandom of taking, you know, oh, in, you know, Shakespeare is very interested in kingship. Well, I can actually translate kingship to something else. It doesn't have to be kingship. Right. Maybe it can be uh, a god. Maybe it can be, you know, maybe Alexander the Great can be alive. That's something, an idea I think I never would have had without the influence yeah. of fandom where anything can happen. Right. I guess another version of that question for you is less about <laughs> the book itself, but just a question for you is like, what are your favorite AU tropes when, as a reader mm. that you'll always click on the tag for? Uh, you know, is, do you read a lot of like other sort of sci-fi updates of classic stories? Yeah. Uh, I love an AU. Uh, I've always got, before I go on a plane trip, I've always got the alternate universe tag open and going through it yeah. for whatever's on there. Uh, some long plotty thing. I love, um, I love a sci-fi AU, definitely. Uh, I love any historical AU, anything that people have really gotten down and dirty into the research for when you can tell it's someone's passion oh, yeah. project, that's the uh-huh. best thing. Uh, and, and so any, you know, 1920s AU, 1930s AU, I, uh, I am a sucker for any kind of criminal AU. Uh, I think those are lots of fun and I do, I hate to say it cause it's very, very basic. Uh, but I love a high school AU, you know, when they're bad, they're bad, but when they're good, uh, someone really cares about the experience they had in high school and they're kind of processing that and being thoughtful about it, you know, in an adult way. And, and, and that's like, uh, it's not at all like the like oh I'm just doing this because it's default. It can be really thoughtful and nice, and so I do appreciate a high school AU a lot. I love that. Rep the high school AU. Um, so this is sort of my um, a, a question I've been wondering about. But like, 
you're a big Shakespeare person. Like you were in, you mm-hmm. participated in like a community of Shakespeare lovers on Tumblr. And Tumblr mm-hmm. has always really loved classic literature. Like this year has been because of Dracula Daily, sort of the year of Dracula. Yeah. But is there any classic lit that you think Tumblr should get into next that they haven't really picked mm. up on yet? That's such a good question. Uh, there is a very small fandom for the Peter Whimsey books, uh, which were written in the 30s and which were populist at the time, but I just would just love it if people got really into those. And I would I would love it if people got really into medieval literature. Uh, that's my <laughs> hobby, of course. Um, I would, you know, I would, I would love it if people got really into like the old Arthurian romances, the the Lancelot, the Knight of the Card. I think all of that very longing stuff about like, oh, your lady's there, but you can't touch her hand, but you must, but you need to crawl into her bedroom, but you definitely can't touch her at all. I think I think Tumblr <laughs> can do some amazing stuff with that. I agree. That would be incredible. Um, so your book comes out in like just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Very exciting. And I know oh, maybe nervous. it's too early to be thinking ahead, but you did say earlier that this book is only the first half of Cleopatra's yeah. story. So are you going to be writing that second half? Yeah, I'm working on it right now. That'll be the Antony and Cleopatra of it all. Uh, and right now I'm, I'm wrestling with my Mark Antony. She's uh, She's... <laughs> she's a firebrand uh, and she uh, is going to be the sen- the heart and soul of the sequel. Uh, and we're going to take it from her uh, having met Cleopatra, falling in love with her right up until the, the way that tragedy ends. And it is a tragedy, I'm sorry to say, but we'll see what, what we can glean out of, uh, what hope we can glean out of it. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you want to tell people where they can find you and your book? Absolutely. So it's The Stars Undying out November 8th uh, at your local bookstore or request it if they haven't got it. Uh, And you can find me on Twitter at MWRobin. That's E-M-W-R-O-B-I-N. And... um, and I'm on Instagram. I uh, and I think I, I'm the same on Instagram as well. All right, got it. Everybody, go check out the Stars Undying. It's gonna be amazing. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for Big Week on Tumblr. Okay, here's an idea. AU where Tumblr is in space. We'll call it the Dash Undying. Get it?